Hello, everybody. I'm Clayton Brees, and it's showtime here again in Berks County on this beautiful Saturday morning right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL, right here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, you tune in every week because you know that we are a source for authenticity and exactitude. That's why you tune in every week. You want to have and listen to our prudent opining uh, and thoughtful discussion of the issues and, uh, and how we address the concerns and feedback from Pennsylvania First, America First perspectives. Folks, we're going to jump right into this. I, I tell you, this week we got a lot to talk about. What's going on right now in uh, in Georgia with uh, with uh, Governor Kemp is putting something out there with the National Guards, putting down, uh, putting down violence over there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little, a little bit about Charles Barkley and his comments on all-star fan voting and how he commented on what happened at the last election. I thought that was delicious. I thought I'd share that with our listeners as well. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on with the Paul Palauzi attack, some stuff we had talked about some time ago. And uh, with that and a whole lot more, folks, we're bringing at you at the speed of sound. So fasten your seatbelts as we jump right into it. You know what's interesting, and you're looking at what's going on right now in Georgia after the November elections. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, basically uh, the headwinds, to the Republican headwinds in Georgia. Governor Brian Kemp overcame some. Uh, you know, basically he 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 won a decisive re-election victory, and you know, and he he got into this. It wasn't what ended up happening, and I, I again, you know, it's just the fact that what he was up against was a a leftist, a leftist socialist, and that's why he was able to win. He faced down a, an intense, an intense campaign and basically pulled off a win. But basically, one one of the items of his success is the 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 the, the, the total destruction of the demo, the Democrats' uh, appalling uh, fake news and fake information on the Republican Party. I think that was very very telling as well. Uh, you know. With, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, what's going on right now, the, the Georgia Democrats basically uh, had Stacey Abrams at the top of the ticket and the National Democrats ran with it. And Biden disgraced himself by referring to the election laws in, in Georgia as, you know, as as oppressing people. And of course, it's I mean, he just it's amazing that he said people didn't buy it. That's just the bottom line. They didn't buy it. But I think what's happening is his his uh, his approvals right now are sitting at about 73%. I think that's very telling. I, I think what's interesting, maybe maybe a little less than that, 670, 70, maybe 70%, but what's telling is he's dispatched the National Guards. There's been some, some violence going on over there, and he's basically getting control of it. See, this is what could have happened in Oregon and, and Minnesota. Now, you had back a few years ago, remember that we had the riots that were going on in Minneapolis and Portland and Seattle in the summer of love out there, and and they just didn't, they didn't, you know, the, the, the governors didn't get a handle on their, the governors did not get a handle on their, their violent situations in their states. And what happened was the voters lost confidence that the government could control it so that the, the basic, the thugs, if you will, of society at the time had a, a negative influence on voters. I think voters were a little intimidated. I think we saw that result. I think when people don't see law enforcement getting a handle on crime, when you don't, when you see crime on the increase and you see law enforcement under attack, then that's a direct concern, I think, to the citizen who wants law and order. So guys like Governor Kent goes out there and he puts, he, he 
quickly dispatches the National Guards to get control. Now, in doing so, he gains the confidence of, of the people of the state. And, and this is what happens. I mean, when you're the governor of a state, you've got to get control of law and order. You've got you to wrestle it from the thugs. You've got to wrestle it from them. You've got mob rule with the Democrats. And, you know, I mean, they, they go out there and they're, they're just starting all kinds of trouble doing what they can to, to create havoc in the, in the countryside and, you know, increasing crime, if you will. They want to increase crime. And, uh, and decrease public confidence in the in, in the governors of these states, as well as the leaders of these states, and uh, so they can offer a reason to turn to them for new leadership when they're the ones causing the crime in the first place. I just think that's very very telling. Um, I wanted to get a little bit into uh, you know what's what's happening. I think what's the the inconvenient truth for environmentalists and what's happening here is you actually have. Offshore wind endangering whales out there in California. Uh, they're, 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 basically, you got the humpback whale, which is one of the is one of the nine large whales that get stranded over. Basically, it was one of the large nine, nine large whales to get stranded over six weeks on beaches and the and the uh, you know over there on the west coast, not far from developers of hundreds of offshore wind turbines engaged in a flurry of pre-construction activity. There's a basically look. It's the latest in a string of events, and I should say a, a string of threats to a uh, to offshore wind industry to, that climate advocates say is central to reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And again, I want to pause right there. What are they claiming as greenhouse gas emissions? Are they saying CO2 emissions is harmful? What they're not understanding is that what produces CO2 on the planet, the oceans have a have a say in this, but. Whatever it is, that the plants love CO2 and the plants give us oxygen to live. So what's happening across the American continent, I should say the globe right now, is you have an increase in greenery. You actually have an increase at green planet. We have the biomass of vegetation on planet Earth has increased 15% of where it was 40 years ago. And to put that in perspective, the amount of growth, the biomass of, of greenery, vegetation on the planet that has grown, the amount of land that that encompasses would cover North America. So that's how much greener the planet is getting. And as a result, the environment's cleaner. But they want to put these wind turbines off there, off the coasts of, uh, you know, Massachusetts and California. <laughs> Basically, they want to point to the, uh, you know, the, the, and, and they, want to, they want to use that and point to the, you know, the, 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 the dying ecosystems as their reason for doing it. Now, we got to realize, though, I mean, the bottom line is with the surging costs from inflation and labor shortages, developers are not, they're saying that their projects of wind turbines are not becoming profitable. And now that there's a bunch of lawsuits and pending federal restrictions to protect sensitive wildlife, which is going to further add costs. So two, there's two influential radical preservationist organizations, the Sierra Club's one of them, the Natural Resources Defense Council is another one. But what's interesting, the Sierra Club never used to be, but they truly are in, in right now. And they're just radical. They're they're run by a bunch of radicals. They're 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 empowered by a weaponized EPA. Well, anyway, uh, they're they they uh, they're seeing, if you will, the uh, they're they're seeing what's what's happening here. And uh, they're quick to assign blame to vessel strikes and fishermen. But one unlikely skeptic is is the Center for Biological Diversity. It's a group that actively targets and works to displace conservationists 
like lobster meat hunters and anglers. So what's happening is there's two influential radical groups, as I just mentioned, Sierra Club and National Resources Defense Council, and they're, uh, they they haven't questioned the they have not questioned the potential harmful effects of these wind farms on whales, but they are trying to blame the whale deaths on fishermen and whatnot. So that's what's happening. And uh, I, I would suggest, folks, that this is this is what's coming out right now. You know, and, and, and we're seeing this because the whales are showing up and uh, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're seeing that they're seeing the effect of it. They're seeing the effect of it. These environmental groups are saying wind definitely isn't the cause of this. So they're trying to say, well, it's not the wind turbines. It's not. OK, but you see, 14 recent whale deaths, namely in New Jersey, have prompted calls to cease off, no, offshore wind exploration. The determined whale deaths stem from activities like underwater geotechnical testing. See, a fact largely uh, going unreported, what we don't see a lot of or any of, is uh, is this offshore wind leashes, leases expanded. They were expanded between 2015 and 2016. Incidental uh, take authorizations were increasingly requested by renewable energy companies to offset the impact on marine mammals. Like 46 one-year ITAs, that's incidental take organiza- uh, authorization, have been authorized for wind sites, and more are expected to be approved. So imagine that. Talk about coincidence. I mean, bottom line is uh, the Committee for the Constructive Tomorrow attributes whale deaths to snow- sonar blasting. There's lots of ways that, that the snow- sonar blasting might cause whales to die. The bottom line is, I mean, they're they're weaponizing the EPA. And these these wind turbines are not. I mean, they're not. They're not good for birds, but they're not good for wildlife. I mean, they're seeing these these animals having having. You know, they're seeing the evidence of them. They're seeing how they're being hurt. And even a vessel strike is 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 still consistent with injury from systemic seismic testing, as testing may may interfere with a whale's hearing and senses, something causing lasting damage. So what happens is, is their sonar systems hurt, get that injured, and they end up. They end up basically running up on shore. That's what happens. But look, the bottom line is these turbines, we're, we're being sold a bill of goods with these turbines, okay? And they don't produce a lot of electricity, okay? They don't. And when you look at what, what they want to drive up the cost of energy so that these so that the gigawatts that these things produce actually actually might be worthwhile, but they don't want to build the wind turbines because they don't produce enough energy. You see, wind is not an effective energy, but it is an effective whale killer. I think that's what we're looking at. And uh, these environmentalists are all in denial, and this is what's interesting. They're in denial. They don't want to admit what's happening, even while it's happening in front of their very eyes. And I think as a uh, you know, as as objective listeners that we are, we're going to see this, and we're going to question. The, what we're seeing, because look, what we see right now with the, you know, with the, with the, uh, the Cretan Green Energy Group, I mean, they're trying to produce, they're trying to promote energy sources that are not effective and not efficient. I mean, they want, they want warmer houses in the summer and colder houses in the winter. That's what they want. That's what they're going for. This is what they want. And, uh, it's just interesting because they're trying their best to create a, uh, they're trying their best to create an industry. They want to support the industry. And uh, it's just interesting that that we're seeing a lot more with the, uh, I mean, what we're seeing a lot of, I think, right now is we're seeing these uh, ineffective electric cars. We're seeing these ineffective, uh, you know, wind turbines and whatnot. And they, they don't even talk about powering up the power. I mean, even California, they're going to outlaw these electric cars. Now, the significance of all that is they're not going to power up. They're not going to increase the power grid. I mean, now. I, I, you know, to me, I don't know how you can have a, how you can have, um, 
you know, the Californians are just trying their best to punish their residents. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. So they want to outlaw gas cars. And, you know, it's undoubtedly trying to solidify its status as a deep blue pest hole, if you will, pushing a, a pushing new tax policy after new tax policies and punishing the job creating investing class and those who have already left the state for better pastures. So California, you know, they, they can't get high speed rail project completed on time and they can't get that done. And, uh, you know, because Sacramento has been uh, been such a crackerjack operation over there when it comes to managing the state's finances. So everybody seems to be again there. It's just it's just they're watching that the line of the line of people leaving the state. The goal of the state is just the West Coast version of New Jersey, deep blue infested with Democrats and, and addicted to tax and spend policies and, and ineffective, inefficient green energy. I mean, they're voting. They're voting to outlaw gas car. I mean, their politicians are giving them exactly what they want. And you're seeing companies leaving. I mean, but you got billionaire entrepreneurs that aren't doing business in California. They're just not. Okay, because it's a job environment, it, because its job environment is a job killer. That's what's happening in, in California. Even ardent liberals like Bill Mara have commented about the state's pension for covering every aspect of life in red tape. It took years for the, it took years for Bill Mara, okay, to, to get it, uh, you know, make, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, it, it took him, it took years to get it. I think he's now suddenly, suddenly getting the bigger picture. But, you know, like the, 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 the new wealth tax won't do anything because Democrats have tried it all before. So now they're hitting a new tax and he sees it and he doesn't like it. It's a wealth tax. And the rich don't opulently spend on things like sailboats and private jets. So, you know, if they're not doing that, okay, uh, then they don't get the money on the wealth tax. See, the wealth tax only applies when they, when they buy expensive items. So, or they can buy them over, they can buy them out of state. You know, it, it's not, nor has it ever been a sustainable tax system, this 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 new wealth tax. And it inflicts vengeance on those who left the state and exit tax on steroids is what it is. You know, uh, it's just amazing. But they, they have never met a tax they didn't like. You know, it's really, it's really, it's amazing. And as early as 2026, the threshold for being taxed would draw those with a worldwide net worth exceeding 50 million would be hit with a 1% annual tax on wealth while billionaires would still be taxed at one and a half percent. The legislation is a modified version of a wealth tax. It's approved in the state assembly. The Democrats said it declined to pass it. I'm amazed at that. The current version just introduced includes measures to allow California to impose wealth taxes on residents even years after they left the state and moved elsewhere. Exit taxes aren't new in California, so they want to do this. It's it the uh, the bill includes provisions to create contractual claims tied to the asset of a wealthy taxpayer who doesn't have the cash to pay their annual wealth tax because most of their assets aren't easily turned into cash. So what's going to happen is that this the claims going to require the taxpayer to make annual filings with California's franchise tax board and then eventually pay the wealth taxes owed. Uh, even if they move to another state, they're going to get hit with it. You know, it's one of the California's one of the bluest states uh, to unveil a bill to impose these new wealth taxes. I mean, Connecticut's already done, Hawaii's doing, Illinois's doing, Maryland, Minnesota, New York, Washington, everywhere, everywhere where people with with means are leaving because the, the states are run into dystopia. What's going on in California right now? Let me let me help you folks. If you go to Florida for a week and just walk up and down the streets of Orlando or Tampa or Miami or Fort Lauderdale, and then you know, for a week at a time, okay, maybe for a month, and then you fly out to California for one week and walk down the streets of any of those cities. 
you're going to see the difference. You know, California, they actually have people shooting up in the middle of the street. You walk down the sidewalk and you see it. You see these people injecting into their neck, into their legs, into any any part of their body they can find a vein they can get it into, and they inject this poison into their system. I mean, you don't see that in Florida. You don't see it anywhere. The difference between Florida and Texas, I should say Florida and California, or Texas and California, are two well-run states versus one that's not. You've got, I think, utopias in Florida and Texas, and a dystopia in California with the crime on the rise. I mean, in California, they 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 basically raised the threshold of of uh, of, of uh, shoplifting to almost a thousand dollars, so nobody could get arrested by running a shopping cart up and down the the aisles of of, uh, of of a Walgreens and running through there and just taking stuff off the shelf. I mean, they loot during normal business hours in California, okay? They loot during normal business hours in California. They, they obviously, as they stated, they, they're injecting themselves with poison into their system on the street corners in California. This is what's happening in California. And uh, it's not happening elsewhere, but it's happening there. I want to talk a little bit about what, what happened with, uh, <clears throat> with the... Uh, Charles Barkley made a comment. I thought it was interesting, and uh, I wanted to get into that a little bit. The uh, Charles Barkley uh, made some comments on the All Star fan voting, and he he basically made some. He says, you know, fan, he said fans shouldn't be trusted to vote for NBA All Star people because they made a big mistake when they made up the last voting for president. He says, however, he quickly clarified he didn't mean the last president; he meant the one before. I think what's interesting is he met he met Joe Biden and then he realized, oh my goodness, you got all these people that are here that are that I'm working with that are big Biden fans. <laughs> the old guy, he says, I didn't mean the, I didn't mean the old guy. I mean the guy before the old guy. <laughs> you know, I guess you know you know. I think it's funny is that he sees the problem across this country. That's what's interesting. You see what's happening across the country, and uh, it's really uh, very telling because. These people that voted for this stuff are not happy with what they see. They're just not happy with what they're looking at. I think that's very telling. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Paul Paul Palazzi. Now, here on this show here, we talked about Paul Palazzi. He got attacked that he opened the door for his uh, from, for his attacker. In other words, his attacker didn't break the house, didn't break into the house. Basically, was let in. And I thought it was interesting that Paul Palazzi was found by a welfare check. Well, Right now, the San Francisco Superior Court uh, yesterday released footage of the 82-year-old Paul Palazzi, who again is the husband of Nancy Palazzi in their San Francisco, California home. And the body camera footage shows the door opening to the Palazzi residence and an assailant identified by authorities as David the Papi and, uh, and Palazzi appearing to wear underwear and a shirt standing in the doorway. Each man has has one hand on a hammer and what looks like a struggle while the victim appears to be holding a drink in his left hand. What was interesting was, as the officers begin to talk to them, the assailant maintains his right hand on the hammer and brings his left hand down on Palazzi's right forearm, and the officer then focuses a flashlight on the hammer and orders the, orders the guy to drop it. He said, drop that, drop that. So the per- perpetrator seems to say, nope, I'm not dropping it before the before wrestling the hammer from Palazzi's right hand. So now, they're both swinging hammers. Blasi, uh, the pair subsequently flew out of the view of the doorway, and the officers immediately entered the house and engaged engaged the guy. So Palazzi comes back into view and appears motionless on the floor while the officers subdue the assailant. The officer then brandishes his handcuffs and shouts, "Give me your, give me your hand." Well, anyway, this past week, Judge Stephen Murphy ordered the footage be released, noting that there was no need 
to keep it from the public. I thought it was interesting. So so you had Paul Pelosi's nine one one call, which was also made public, and the and the guy basically uh, told the operator, "This gentleman just came into my house and wants to wait here for my wife to come home." Okay, and uh, he just came over to my house and he wants to wait. Why did he get in the house, Paul? He's telling me not to do anything. He says so. Paul Blas, he says, and then he gives the dispatcher his address. This gentleman, he's telling me to put the phone down and do whatever he says. He says he's telling the operator. So everything's so calm and everything's weird. And then the operator asks for the intruder's name, and the person um, other than Palazzi responds as David, and, and of course and identifies himself as a friend of theirs. Palazzi again informs the operator he does not know the man. He's telling me I'm being. I'm being very leading, so I got to stop talking to you. So Palazzi says, I got to stop talking to you. So basically, the baby enters a, a, a not guilty plea on charges of attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, elder abuse, elder residential burglary, false imprisonment, and threatening the life and seriously or seriously bodily injury harm to a public official. The attack left Palazzi a skull fracture, which he underwent successful surgery for. Uh, and the baby uh, had allegedly stated that he, in, he intended to hurt the former Speaker of the House. And uh, I, I just, it, it, I think the whole thing was really weird. I mean, the guy was let in the house. And I think that's, the, you're going to be, uh, people should be able to tune into this and listen and watch what happened. I think it's interesting. But we on this show comment on that as soon as that news hit the day. I mean, when that news hit the ground and, and people heard it, we were we were commenting on this show that there was something not right. I mean, it wasn't a 911 call where somebody was saying, oh, well, my house just got broken into. I got somebody in my house and he's threatening me or anything like that. It was just, it was kind of a, it was kind of a call that just didn't seem right. And when the police got there, they, they realized the door wasn't kicked open. There was no sign of forced entry there. So that tells the police that things aren't right. And uh, obviously I was questioning that a while ago, but whatever the case is, I thought it was interesting because it looked like a staged event anyway. And, uh, I thought it was interesting on that end of it. Um, I want to get into uh, Ronnie Jackson uh, wanting answers from Pfizer following allegations of conducting unethical, unethical research. Um, I think what's interesting is when you look at what's happening here, Republican Ronnie Jackson, who's a Republican uh, out of Texas, is a member of the subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, is demanding answers from Pfizer following viral allegations of the pharmaceutical giant deliberately engaging in gain-of-function research by intentionally mutilating the Chinese coronavirus. So they knew something was up. And uh, in a letter first obtained by Bright, by, by, by Breitbart News, uh, Jackson demanded answers from Pfizer. So it was an article that was on Breitbart. I thought it was interesting. But now, Ronnie Jackson used to be the president. He was Trump's physician. I thought that was interesting, too. He was like a Navy, a Navy doctor. And... Uh, one of the things they're exploring right now in Congress is, uh, you know, why they just don't, why we, why, uh, why don't we just mutate the COVID ourselves or create a preemptively developed new vaccination? Well, that's what they did. So one of the things they're looking at is gain of function right now in the COVID. Now, what does that mean? It means that they knew that the virus was spreading from animals to animals. It was spreading from different things. It was, it was, it was gaining its functionality. And that's what they talk about gain of function. It was able to be spread and, 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 morph and, and change so scientists have to be very careful to ensure a virus does not create something that mutates and spreads everywhere which is what gain of function is see what makes no sense is that this virus popped out of nowhere okay it, it did i mean pfizer scientists were optimizing the covid mutation process but they were going slow because everyone is cautious but obviously they don't want to accelerate too much but the bottom line is now they're looking at this virus and this vaccination they're finding out that there's increase right now there's an increase right now 
in death rates across this country over where they were just a few years ago. And people aren't talking about that. I mean, we have to have people in Congress dedicated to uncovering the truth and demanding transparency on how these pharmaceutical companies develop their vaccines. That's what I think. We have to have that. We, we got to get transparency on how they develop their vaccines. You see, it's been re recently reported that there's mounting evidence that Pfizer been performing this gain-of-function research, folks. And that's what we've been talking about. We were, we were hearing Rand Paul say that. Reports that Pfizer have been looking to, to mutate the virus or develop new vaccines to ensure there remains a steady cash flow into the company. If true, this is unbelievably unethical and concerning to imagine Pfizer would prioritize its profits over the safety of the American public by conducting such gain-of-function research and endangering the lives of the very people you propose to help. You know, it's really, it's, you know, it's the Chinese Communist Party. And I mean, they're the ones that release this thing. I mean, think about that. Think about that. Transparency and accountability has to be at the forefront of any of, of, of the coronavirus vaccination development. And, you know, there has to be severe consequences, you know, for, I mean, there, there, there could be severe consequences including the pandemic, if Pfizer is, in fact, engaging the same sort of research that it was conducting in the Wuhan lab. We're looking at another big problem. You know, uh, we, we have to get answers from, you know, we have to get answers, folks. We got to get answers. I mean, we got to know if the company is or has engaged in gain-of-function research conducting experiments with the intention of mutating the, the viruses, viruses that they're looking at. Viruses come from, you know, that are developed, man-developed. You know, I don't want to miss that. That's that's really, that's something to think about. So this subcommittee on coronavirus pandemic is, is uh, you know, it's going to be, is going to be looking, they're going to get some answers to what, to the COVID origins and the federal government's gain-of-function research, and they're going to find all about it. That's what's going to happen. And we need we need some answers. We need some answers because there's a lot going on with this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now with, uh, well, Rhoda McDaniel, she did win her fourth term as RNC chair. I think that's just interesting. I mean, I, I didn't think anything different. But here in Pennsylvania, I'm very disappointed that the, they didn't make a change on that. Okay. After all, the Republican Party of Pennsylvania deliberately ran a race to come in second. We know that in the governor's race. Um, so don't miss that. But I mean, what we're seeing, I think, across this country right now is a is a complete a uh, I'm going to suggest a uh, you know an unhinging, if you will, of of o Biden and and what's going on right now with these documents. I think these documents are telling, and I think they could bring about the end for him. I really do. I really, really do. I mean, you got suspicious bank records now that are being withheld. The Treasury Department uh, last week and uh, they uh, they denied the House Oversight Committee's request to disclose 150 suspicious reports flagged by U.S. banks concerning the Biden crime family's uh, business transactions, causing the subcommittee, uh, causing the committee chairman to threaten the subpoena. So U.S. banks have flagged over 150 suspicious financial transactions from Hunter and James Biden, and the uh, the oversight committee uh, found this out. The wire transfers included large amounts of money, uh, trip for further review by American banks. Uh, wire transfers are openly are widely used by money launderers to mitigate the risks to financial institutions. What we got to understand, folks, Hunter Biden, you know, when you think about this, when you have the vice president or the president or some other, like the secretary of state or some other high government official, when they have kids and those kids are traveling inter internationally, what happens is the FBI approaches these kids and they basically give them a coaching session on what to avoid and they they try to pay attention to what's going on in their world because they know they're going to be targets for enemy agents. So they're watching these kids as they go over. So they knew all about Hunter Biden. They, they had to know all about it. 
I mean, this this couldn't have been a secret to the FBI at all. This is some; these are some of the skeletons that Michael Flynn knew were buried were buried out there. They, these are things that they all knew. This is what Michael Flynn was was going to uh, reveal. Okay, Flynn was going to reveal General Flynn, and uh, they were going to he was going to reveal this. And I think what's interesting on this is that you know you 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 have to realize that we knew that we knew that uh, well they had to know that. Uh, you know, Michael Flynn knew because he was the head of the, he was a, he was, he was the head of intelligence. The guy knew all about it. He knew all about it. I mean, he was a, he was the 24th U.S. National Security Advisor. Okay. And he was, you know, he was there and, you know, he was going to unveil all that stuff. He was going to unveil all that stuff. And uh, anyway, but he knew exactly where the, you know, he knew exactly where the, uh, where the, where the, the skeletons were, if you will. Okay. They they were watching they were watching Biden and they, they knew all about it. So this was all knowledge, this is all known. It's not a surprise to a lot of people. What we're learning as Americans is is the amount of cover up that takes place in all this. This is what's concerning to a lot of people. This is what's concerning to a lot of us Americans right now is that we watch all this. But I mean, uh, so we're the right now the, the Treasury's legislative affairs chief, Jonathan Davidson, is asking the Intel committee right now to provide more justification for seeking these highly sensitive information from the Biden crime family. He wants to know why they want to know more about it. You know, why do you want to know more about the Biden crime family? I don't understand that. So the oh I should say the oversight. So they they basically they're they're threatening with subpoena. It's okay. They get the power to gavel. They got to threaten subpoenas. And I want to get into something here on the news, and and I want to talk a little bit about the news ratings. The news ratings were just in. CNN is basically down around four hundred thousand views. Okay, that's like the Garden Channel. I think. I mean, that really is like the Game Show Network. Uh, you also have MSNBC now around nine hundred thousand viewers. Uh, it throughout a week, you know, on a, on, a, on a given night throughout the week. I think that's very, very telling as well. So you got about 1.3 million viewers between both of those channels. And then you have the Fox News has 2 million viewers. Okay. So Fox News literally has about, oh, maybe just about 50% of the audience, uh, maybe a little less than that. But I think what's really compelling in all this is nobody's watching these other channels. You know, they're not trying to sell advertising. They're not trying to get people involved. What, if they were trying to, get advertisers to invest money into their channels, they would just report the news more effectively. You know, they wouldn't have these fake experts up there all the time promoting these narratives. People are getting tired of the lack of story. That's what's happening. They're getting, they're getting tired of it. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I, I heard some comments about Durham's report not producing anything. I thought that was very interesting because, I mean, they're, they're, they were saying, well, John Durham's report was a big wow. Well, let, let me just get into this a little bit. You know, Trump was spied on. We know what happened. And again, we know it was with great clarity. We see what happened. So the FBI was trying to create an interference in a narrative. They were trying to frame Trump for it. So his, his computers were hacked at the Trump Tower and, 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 and the property at New York West End. And of course, the hacker, a guy by the name of Jaffe, then got into the executive office of the press. There's a lot of connections to the Brookings Institute on this, which is the number one socialist anti-American think tank in Washington. There was a direct link between the Brookings, the Brookings Institute, the Clinton campaign, the DNC, and Steve and, and Steele dossier. So there was that this was sold to the FBI with collaborators within the FBI. So call me Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok created a back page, if you will, to sell this to the FISA court. So Igor Denchenko, this is the guy who'd been indicted, and he was Fiona Hill's former research assistant. Fiona Hill, in addition to conjuring up the Ukrainian phone call impeachment fiasco, 
She was a White House staffer who connected Christopher Steele to the Igor Danchenko to allow the phony dossier to get to the FBI. So Fiona Hill connected Charlie Dolan, a Clinton operative, to Igor, Igor Danchenko. So Fiona Hill could also, she, she was also very, very involved on this, okay? And, of course, she claims she had no knowledge of how the dossier was, was created. But what's interesting is we saw what happened to this. And Kevin Kleinsmith was the FBI's attorney, and he was indicted to this. I mean, the FBI was indicted. So this I was talking about this last week. The FBI was actually indicted with the Durham report. So when you hear these fake experts say the Durham investigation produced nothing, what are you talking about? The FBI was indicted with Kevin Kleinsmith, okay? He was indicted. You know, Carter Page was was uh you know was was in but was and he was a CIA asset. And what they did was they altered the 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 Pfizer report to say he was not an asset of the CIA when he was. See, Carter Page had those protections, and they they Kleinsmith doctored the Pfizer for it. He altered the report. He showed Carter Page was not an asset. He was indicted. The FBI did this. They did this. So we were talking about the FBI not, not being trusted anymore because they're collaborating with social media last week. Well, folks, they're doing it. They are doing it. They're collaborating. We know the FBI. This is not the this is not the FBI but that we remember from the 50s and 60s and 70s. This is a totally different FBI. I mean, these people are, I mean, they phoned up this FISA warrant. And so don't miss that. I heard somebody say that about the John Durham investigation. That's why I wanted to jump into that because somebody had made mention to me one time this past week on that said, well, what did John Durham's report produce? It was a big wow. They didn't produce anything. I said, what are you talking about? There was an indictment. The FBI was indicted. Okay. I mean, you know, John Durham is, he, he basically rooted out all this stuff and he rooted out information that was deliberately withheld to the congressional committees and the investigations. This is why guys like Adam Schiff is no longer on these committees because they, they deliberately promoted lies. Now, now Jake Sullivan was the national security advisor. Okay. He was the guy putting out this junk. Now, Jake Se Sullivan's in there again. He's one of those permanent Washington fixtures. He's in there again. He's in there again. He pushed this junk over to Jaffe. So Jake Sullivan's in there. I mean, look, folks, this, where is the leadership on the Ukrainian war? Where is the leadership? Why are, we're going to be shipping tanks over there. Why are we putting leaders over there to try to put the war out? Why are we trying to get out of this? Why are we trying to end this? Where is the world leaders trying to end the war? Everybody's escalating this. This whole thing's escalating. We're seeing it now. And, and, you know, we're escalating a war in the Ukraine. You got these tanks over there, and they're, they're, everybody's shipping tanks over there. You got Britain shipping tanks. The U.S. is shipping tanks. Germany's shipping tanks. All these countries are shipping tanks over there. They're not looking to put the war out. They're not looking to end the war. They're looking to escalate. This is the American, this is the, this is the, uh, you know, this is the military industrial complex on steroids. This is what's happening right now, folks. You know, we, we've got to get our country back. That's what we got to get. We got to get our country back. And don't miss it. I mean, we need America first back again. And right now, I mean, we've got to get things back. I mean, I remember when things were a whole lot better in this country. And now we're, we don't have it. I mean, we, we don't have it. We don't have any leadership. We've got a dementia patient in Washington right now. Who's, there, are, there are no leaders left. There's no leaders left at all in Washington. There's no leaders left. You know, it's you look at what kind of leadership it took in this country to 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 motivate and mobilize, if you will, the the private sector to get all those PPEs built in like two months. You don't have that leadership anymore. You just don't. You know, and and what you're seeing right now is you're seeing complete collapse of of the meritocracy. 
you know, uh, talking to talking to some people the other day about about the generation Y and Z that's out there now and commenting on people and years past and they're basically they're missing the whole thing. They're saying, okay, well, these people are this and this generation was that. You know, you don't understand computers. You don't understand this and that. We would say, look, we ran we ran our lives without computers and cell phones. We ran our lives, but we. We did invent those things. Our generation did invent those things. What's happening today is you don't have generation Y and Z looking to invent anything. I mean, they got other than the fact they got they got robocops now over there in Japan. We actually have robot police officers going on right now in some parts of the world. You know, it's just what we have to realize is that the the world is changing, but we're seeing a whole lot of problems and uh, across this country, and there's no leadership to solve it. There isn't any. I mean, the Ukraine war, folks, isn't about hawks. It's not about doves. It's about prudence and judgment. It's about doing the right thing. Okay, you got academia, you got big tech, you got fake news, you got Democrats and the never-Trumpers who need psychological help. That's what they need. They're responsible for giving us this incompetent, feeble-minded pro-Biden presidency. And they know that this man is, is mentally weak, and they know they all knew it when they all knew he was mentally, he had mental slippage when they put him in there. You know, his foreign policy and capabilities are and always have been well known, and they're they're all responsible for what happens to this country. That's what's happening. And, we, and, and you know, until now, we haven't had a Congress doing anything, right? That's the truth of it. You know, they're, 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 this, these people, these, these liberals, they're, they're trying to tear down our systems. They want to create new entitlements for people who don't want to work it. They, when they do work, they hardly work. They're trying to change our voting systems for the worst and nationalize what belongs to the states. You know, these are things that's going on right now. And, the, and that's what you have is this push for this. You don't have anybody trying to solve the war. How many people are talking about how fuel independence and energy independence gave America foreign policy leverage over, over NATO and other countries? How many people are even talking about that? You don't hear that anywhere. How many low IQ fake experts dressed up as journalists are getting lost in the narrative instead of providing us with context of what what we're facing right now as a country? This is what's driving people incensed. How many fake news, fake experts are talking about how well Biden's pushing for this this you know this war to continue? And how is it a threat to this country? How you know this is what we ought to be talking about. How is it a threat to the world? How many are talking about our how our, our failing to bring Iran into compliance or or, or to you know where we are no you know and, and where are and where they are no longer a threat to the world when they were when Trump was in office. See, these are things that we have to understand. How many are talking about the dangers of of open borders and transporting tens of thousands of illegals to the corners of our country? This is going on right now, folks. We had a quarter of a million people come over the border last last month. A quarter of a million people. Okay, that's six. That's six sellouts. In the Lincoln in Lincoln Financial, six sellouts came over the board. Came over the border in one in one month. We've had millions and millions come over the border since Joe Biden been in our office, and this is what's happening. Millions of people come over the border illegally, and what they've been doing is shipping them all over the far corners of our country. Is what they're doing. They're putting these people in there. That's what they're doing. So I mean, don't miss that, folks. I mean, we're seeing this all over the place. We don't have leadership, and that's what this country is solely lacking. And you know, we we got to figure out that there's a whole lot more to this. You know, we, we just we should never have pushed our allies into energy independence on on Russian oil and gas. We should never have done that. You know, without energy, folks, we don't have civilization. Okay, and this, I mean, really is this this is Exhibit A, Exhibit A, if you will, of this of the global warming cretins ruining our planet with this crazy national policy by manhandling 
this dementia patient in Washington forcing our country to stop producing and exporting natural gas and oil. This is what happens when, when people don't, when, when we elect feeble-minded people struggling with mental slippage, okay? We got half of Europe's energy coming from Russia and Ukraine, and boom, you have a war, and now, now you've got these countries dangerously dependent on Russian energy at war with Russia. How is that going to help anybody? Who and what made this happen? Okay, well, it was a series of deliberate policy decisions leveraged by indoctrinating an entire generation that global warming is melting the polar ice caps. I mean, and, and that we had to go to war here. I mean, Russia is out there right now trying to change their future. They're, 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 they're committed to this war. They've lost tens of thousands in it. I mean, Putin is not going to, he's not going to quit. He's not going to stop by, not going to do it. And this is what's going on right now. I mean, the world is relying on Russian oil. That's what's happening. It's what's happening. And what we need to do now is not make things worse. And that's what we seem to be doing. So we're shipping tanks over there. And, you know, what we don't want is a full-scale war with nuclear adversary. That's what's happening. And what we're seeing right now is this This is, I, I then we were escalating things. I mean, this is what we're doing. So a lot of wars start accidentally and they start with a deliberate action in in basically incrementally increasing the scale of the war, like, you know, sending tanks in a year later. This is supposed to be a two-week a two week war, and now that it's like a year old. And, you know, wars all throughout history, wars have started with, with an empowered madman taking initial action, not caring what happens next. And look, my concern and the concern of many of us is that, like I said, what, what we need is wisdom and far-sightedness and emotional control to prevent a full-blown World War III. And I don't see this happening right now. I just don't. I mean, we're hearing some in Washington that, again, that, you know, that, I mean, they're, they're shipping tanks over there. This is what's happening. You know, folks, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And we didn't pass it on. We don't pass it on in our children, our bloodstream. We just don't. The only way we can inherit freedom is that we have is if we fight for it and protect it and defend it. And then hand over to our, our children the freedom that is with the well-thought-out lessons of how they how they protect their freedoms throughout their lifetime and how they have to do the same. And, you know, basically saying to them, if you do, if you do, or if you don't do this, then we may be, we may be spending our sunset years telling our grandchildren what it was long, what, what America was once like when men and women were free. You know, this is what Reagan made a comment on, you know, the woke Democrats are attacking America with this, this ideology. And now you've got this, well, now you've got what's happening right now in Europe. And I think this is, this is concerning a lot of Americans right now. Look, we as a, as a country need to be on guard against that. That's really where I'm at with it. And uh, I want to get a little bit into uh, one thing. I, I'm, one comment I heard on the, uh, you know, what's, what's going on with Biden's record, uh, what's happening right now is what he's, you know, Biden right now is, uh, is, is the only person in, 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 the, in the galaxy who thinks our country's headed in the right direction. If you look at the facts, folks, and you listen to Biden, he's saying, oh, we're going in the right direction. Well, he's the only one that thinks it is. You know, our economy grew grew at 1% last year, you know, and China's economy was shut down. I mean, China's economy shut down and our economy grew at 1%. Our economy grew at 3%, 13.5% inflation cumulatively. So, oh, Biden has given us two years, average rent average rent up 12%, average 30-year mortgage has gone from 3 to 6.5%, average wage is down 4% because he wouldn't stand up to the teachers' unions or you know, or basically, he would he wouldn't stand up to the to it to the Cretans in his party. I mean, look, anybody had that record, you know, you'd be saying, well, you got your head in the bag, bud. You got your head in the bag. You're missing it. And I think that's that's what he. It's anybody can can say that. American people can cite all the statistic that 
that you, you can see them all in, in the, they're all on public websites. You can see all those statistics. But American people understand that our national debt is rising faster than national output. And that's the truth. They understand the American people do that, that the borders are wide open. We understand that. We understand that crime's way up. We understand that respect for our institutions is way down. The American people understand that it's harder than ever to get ahead in our country. It's easier than ever to do nothing. And that's why well over 70% of the people think we're heading in the wrong direction. Well, that's the truth of it all. That's the truth of it all. And I think what you're seeing a lot of right now is you're seeing that this is all coming out. People are seeing it. And it's, I think it's doing a tremendous injustice to a lot of people. I think we're seeing a lot of this all across the country. And uh, it's just interesting how I think when you look at O'Biden, you look at him right now, the Democrats don't want him to run for office. They don't want him to run again. That's why I think that's going on right now with the uh, with the documents and all this is they're trying to take him out. They don't, they're trying to take him out politically so he doesn't run it. And they don't want him to run because they know, and I think there's going to be a fist fight in the Democrat Party next, next well, next year. I mean, Trump's already made his announcement this year as we're coming into February uh, next week. And I think uh, we're just doing the countdown to when the campaign season starts. And uh, Trump is going to be all into this. He's all in on this. And I think the American people are looking forward with anticipation to a new year and a new dawn, a new dawning of a new day in America going forward. I mean, we need as a country to get it right and to make sure our elections are right. So anyway, folks, we have to leave it there. And you know what? I want to thank all of our listeners today for being with us today. I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us every week, waiting for this opining of ours and uh, taking the time to be with us. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you next week on The Point, folks. Tune in later today, this afternoon, for our show. The the, uh, the Watchmen will be on at 1 o'clock today. We've got some good distinctive discussion going on there as well. And, uh, and again, we've been doing this show for about five years. We appreciate all of our listeners for being with us. Many of you have been with us this long. And uh, thank you so much for being with us and taking the time every week for being with us. See you next week on The Point, folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.